Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash John Appetit. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash John Appetit. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash John Appetit for your free audiobook. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of the John Appetit Podcast. I am Roy Burton, alongside me, as always, my lovely wife, Chanel. How are you doing today, Chanel? I'm okay. You're doing just okay? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Well, we have a, a more than okay episode for the folks out here today as we tape this John Appetit Podcast. We have a special guest on today's show, uh, Mino Lele, the uh, CEO and founder of Lil Mixins, joins us in the second segment of the show to talk about children's allergies. Now, for those of you who may not know, uh, May is National Asthma and Allergy Awareness Month. And again, we know that we have a cross-section, a, a pretty big cross-section of Philadelphia uh, and outside of Philadelphia, people who listen to the show. And I know a lot of people out there, you know, have kids. And, and one of the things that, that you worry about when you go out to eat is, you know, is this a, a safe place for my kid to eat or what you know precautions do I need to take uh, for my children, you know, when I go out? So, um, as a part of that conversation, we had a conversation with uh, Mino uh, was it last week. Uh, we recorded it last week. Um, and she talks about her product, Little Mixins, which um, helps um, to reduce uh, food allergies in children. And again, we also talked about, you know, things that you need to think about, or you should think about uh, when you go out, uh, you know, with your family or when you order takeout or, or just in general uh, when, you, when you feed uh, your kids. Uh, or foods. other people's kids. Or other people's kids, yeah. It's a lot of things to think about. Um, when it comes to allergies and, and children. So uh, we had a very cool conversation with her. That'll be in our second segment of the show. So we will get to that shortly. Before we do that, though, as always, we have a bunch of news to tell you about. And we have some upcoming things to discuss. And as always, our Sunday dinner segment. So a very, very packed episode of the John Appetit Podcast. Before we do anything, we want to thank you guys for listening to us and supporting us here uh, at John Appetit, whether it's your first episode or you listen to all of them, thank you. We truly appreciate all of your support. Yes, we've got a lot of listens uh, during um, this month again, since we've been back on the wagon uh, doing uh, semi-regular, quasi-regular shows. Again, we appreciate your support. Again, we've seen that you guys are still listening to it, even though a lot of podcast episodes, a lot of podcasts are, are listen to less frequently these days because, you know, just because people aren't commuting as much or aren't, you know, at work and, and doing the typical things they typically do or at the gym and the typical things they usually do when they listen to podcasts. They don't do anymore. So a lot of podcast stats are down. Ours are actually doing pretty well. So thank you guys thank for you very much and supporting us here at John Appetit. And please, while you're listening, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are at John Appetit on each and every social media platform. We're also uh, use the hashtag John Appetit in your Instagram photos. If you want to tag us in your your culinary creations that you make at home, or whether you order takeout or whatever have you, we're always on the on the uh, lookout for some great looking dishes and some great food. So hashtag John Appetit in your IG posts, in your IG stories. 
Um, but again, John Appetit, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Please reach out to us. We truly want to hear from you guys. And JohnAppetit at gmail.com if you just want to shoot us an email and tell us, you know, how right I am about my opinion. About Lies. You can do that as well. Because again, we truly appreciate that. <laughs> and again, while you do all that, please take a moment to follow our friends, part of the War Room Sports Podcast Network, the War Room Sports Podcast, the flagship show, my other show, the Broad Street Line, which you can listen to every Saturday at 10 a.m. on 106.5 FM, WPPM LP, Philadelphia. Also, check out our friends over at Tissue in the Tape. You can find all three shows, Tissue in the Tape, the Broad Street Line, and the Boardroom Sports, wherever you found this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Player.fm, Google Play, and Spotify. Again, we are very, very accessible. Shout out, as always, to our good friends of the program, Padma Lakshmi. She is the host of <laughs> Taste the Nation, which is coming on Hulu. Uh, but I want to say June 16th. I might have. To, I know it's June. I'm, I got you should probably figure that out. You should probably get the date. I saw Michael Twitty. I saw the uh, promo. I saw the uh, promo piece for it. I saw Michael Twitty, the author. You didn't. Cooking you Gene. didn't comment and add her. He's gonna be. I. I didn't. I mean, I don't want to hit. You my should. You up should do time. that. You should. You so, shout out Padma. Um, Taste the Nation come on Hulu uh, next month. And as always, shout out Tay Diggs. Fingers crossed for season three of All American coming very, very soon. I don't. I'm not a person who goes online and searches us. I'm not a person who goes me online either. and searches you and me. But me every either. now and then, oh, you know, no. I'll do the I'll do the Joan Appetit search. Let's no. see what's I'll see what's hitting. Because sometimes, like, there might be a shout out and we didn't see it. And I had this on I had this on deck actually last episode. I forgot about it. But shout out to Philly Weekly for giving us a shout out. Uh, this was back in April. Um, here I'll just read the whole thing verbatim because this is like when we back when we were on hiatus, mm-hmm. <laughs> like didn't, didn't do two episodes, and we came back and they were like, "Hey, we're glad they're back." Quote, after a month-long hiatus, this pod on all things in the Philly restaurant scene is back, and we're probably the happiest in Philly. We've always appreciated this pod's no-nonsense approach to the food industry scene, as they can look beyond fine dining and give you the reasons why you should, or often should not, dine at a particular spot. This pod is usually served up once a week, and its last airing was on April the 1st. This is back in April when they wrote this, so shout out to Philly Weekly. For giving us some love back then. Okay, we've been we've been semi regular recently. Yeah, I'm so very we, proud we, we because consistency is the key. Is the key. Is the key. But this whole, I'm sure, with everyone, the Everybody. whole Corona this, thing yeah, just like, like again, this is a once in a in a century pandemic. Yeah, like, it's and it, a little weird. For and it threw everything off. Yeah, it's a little weird to kind of talk about food and talk about things when like your whole work and life thing is just, kind just of completely out of like kind of whack. Out of so, whack. We back though. Yeah, we back. We, back. we found the rhythm. We're, we're like in work life, staring at each other. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you know. So we're back. So we so we are, we are good. we've passed the the awkward period where we're just sitting in the house all day every day, and it's like, all right, well, we got to take a podcast after doing all that. <laughs> we got past that though. We're yeah, back. we're past it. We're back. We're good. We're back. We're better than ever. Thank you, Philly Weekly. Again, Thank you. We got a ton of stuff to get to like over the next few weeks. So, I mean, like there will be no shortage of content. So I think Correct. it's going to be kind of pretty pretty frequent going forward. So thank you, Philly Weekly. Thank you for all the, all you guys who have stuck with us through the hiatus. Again, we truly truly appreciate it. All right, Philly. What is new? What is new? Sadly, is that there are restaurants. Uh, that will not be with us after this coronavirus is all said and done. Uh, we talked about this several times um, over the last couple of episodes that we knew this was kind of going to happen because just the financial climate and the, the way business is going to be done, you know, 
um, you know, at the end of this year, going into 2021, and just going forward in the restaurant industry. Uh, we knew that some restaurants weren't going to make it uh, through this, sadly. And um, a couple of re- great, great restaurants, um, unfortunately, that we know of aren't going to be around after this. Uh, a restaurant we talked about on the show before, Pharmacia in Old City, they have closed for good. They're a farm-to-table restaurant. We went there um, by accident. Uh, one restaurant. Not we, even accident. It was just kind of. We were trying to go somewhere else. Uh, we? It wasn't really an accident. It was we went somewhere else and they didn't have anything on the menu that they said they would, and we kind of made our way over there. So it was an accident. No, because there were <laughs> there were plenty of other restaurants, and we looked at the menu yeah, and said, menu "Look good. This menu looks good." We did something with them that we usually never do. We just went in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was a happy go, and so this made me sad. Yeah, no, it was a really good, really good restaurant. I know other people who uh, who were frequented who frequented that restaurant. And they liked it as well. But Pharmacy in Old City, they are closed. Also, Mad River in Maniunk, they're closed as well. They were around for eleven years. That was one of the big bar spots in Maniunk. I believe it was on Main Street in Maniunk. I might be wrong about that, but um, they were around for a while. They were a popular spot up in Maniunk. They're closed. And also, an award-winning restaurant, Sate Campar. It's always been on the Eater Thirty Eight list in Philly. Philly top 50 list. I believe they won a James Beard award a few years ago. Um, they're closed, although it sounds like it's a rent. Well, it is a rent dispute. It sounds like they might be opening somewhere else or recreating the concept somewhere else. Um, but Sate Campar and East Passyunk, uh, they're closed. That location, at least for now, is closed. Um, although, if you read between the lines, I wouldn't be surprised if they came back somewhere else. So, um, again, like we said, like there's going to be a few more restaurants, a lot more restaurants probably that don't survive this, unfortunately. Um, thankfully, you know, I've seen a couple of restaurants, they're getting those small business of loan funding, or are they, are they loan? I think they're loans. Uh, they I are. think the first of it is like a grant, and then the rest is like a loan. Okay, yeah. It's, it's seen, a weird. Yeah, it's a whole weird deal. But I've seen some of the local restaurants get some of those funds, the government funds. So hopefully that'll be enough to, uh, to kind of bring some of these restaurants uh, back in, uh, in business uh, full steam. Again, once once this all passes, it is official. You can now get cocktails to go in Philly. Again, we talked about this before. I said it probably before it was like super legal, but now it is super legal. Are you sure it's it super one hundred percent? It's one hundred percent legal now. It they was signed because I know they said it was legal, but then I guess all the legislators went home and didn't actually vote. Did they well, come back and vote? Yeah. So yeah. So last time we talked about this, the House had signed off on it, but it didn't go through the Senate. Didn't get signed by Governor Wolf. It is all through. Everybody has signed it. Everybody has uh, checked it off. So it is official. You can now get cocktails to go in Philadelphia. And there are plenty, and I mean plenty of restaurants. And look, let me put it like this. Your favorite restaurants in Philadelphia are probably doing cocktails to go. So there's a spot that you used to go to to get some food um, and some drinks. Um, check their website because a lot of them have some great cocktails to offer. The Mission Taqueria Margaritas. They're in a cute little... <laughs> I yeah. want them. <laughs> yeah, Mission Taqueria. They have bottled margaritas in four flavors. The house margarita, guava, ma- mango, pineapple, and something called green juice, which I'm not sure. They have eight ounces. What did you sizes. say, guava or jicama? I said guava? Yeah. Um, it's yeah. jicama. Mango, it's jicama? It's mango, pineapple, jicama, and green juice. Oh, the other thing I said, salsa, guava. I thought I went on their website. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, I'm um, looking at the... Uh, the, this, the article? Yeah. I think on their website it said guava, but okay. it may, it may All right, it check for wrong. yourselves. It might be wrong. Yeah, please go to the website and check for yourselves. It's cute little bottles. Uh, they so have good. eight ounces, <laughs> eight ounce margaritas, and thirty-two ounce sizes. Uh, eight ounce 
a margarita roll one one you twelve bucks. That's enough for two drinks or one drink for me. And thirty two <laughs> ounces is forty eight dollars. Again, that's eight drinks or four drinks for me. They also sell Micheladas. I'm giving Michelada you the kits. side eye. <laughs> so if you get the Tecate and the Michelada, you get the whole tomato beer weirdo thing. You can get that kit at Mission Taqueria as well. If they, I need Mission Taqueria, mm-hmm. I don't ask for much. Put them quesadillas with the mushrooms on your menu, my <sighs> dude. I saw your menu. You got the taco kits. and you got They sell tortillas. Like they got pieces. Yeah, but I need, I need, I need, I need. Those are not those mushrooms quesadillas. To like pack up. I know, I know, I know. I really they get like soggy. I know. The they're not like... quesadillas are the worst traveling. One of the worst yeah. traveling meals ever. They're so good though. Uh, Pizzeria Betia. They offer. Oh, they offer two cocktails to go. They have an Amaro Old Fashioned and a House Negroni. Those are thirty bucks each, and they serve four. Uh, good Dog Bar. They have growlers and bottles, so if you want to get your beers on, you can do that. But they have pre-mixed drinks such as Bloody Marys, Margaritas, Spiked Watermelon, excuse me, Spiked Watermelon Lemonade. (laughs) Spiked Watermelon Lemonade, I'll get it. Get it right. Other drinks, those are 40 bucks and they serve six to eight. And Barbuzo, they offer red wine and rosé sangrias. And they also have Sazeracs, Negronis, Moscow Mules, and Vodka Basil Lemonades. So, again, check your favorite spot. They probably serve drinks to go. I know a lot of people haven't, you know, they wanted to drink some stuff, but either due to the difficulty of ordering it through the wine and spirit store or not being able to get to distilleries or whatever have you, they haven't been able to enjoy some cocktails. It's a lot easier now. So, again, check this out. Again, plenty of places. Cocktails are now uh, legal to go in Philadelphia. Also in Philadelphia, there are plenty of restaurants and bars offering virtual dining experiences. Now, we saw now, we watch a lot of the YouTube in the quarantine. Yes. And we watch a channel called... One of the best things ever. (laughs) Migrationology, uh, hosted by Mark Weens. He's probably like the number one food YouTuber in the world. You guys have to check that out. Six million or seven million followers or whatever like that. And he goes around the world and he kind of samples different cuisines and things like that. And when we say sample cuisines, he's like goes to people's houses and like yeah. he gets food wherever he Street gets it. Foods or foods in people's houses or, or like, sometimes high end restaurants. Yeah, it doesn't matter. He's eating ro- everywhere. Yeah, remote villages yes. and they'll just like catch something that day and cook it. Yeah. And like all sorts of crazy. He's stuff. experienced all kinds of stuff all over the world. Uh, but, and not in a fear factor or Andrew Zimmern kind of way. Right. In a a way that if Roy and I were inclined to do stuff like that, a way that we would do it. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's genuinely, well, not, to, not to say that other people aren't genuinely yeah. interested. But, but it's not an exploitation of people's culture or food. But I don't, he, I don't know. He's I don't know, genuinely I, interested in it. I don't know if all of those other ones are. No, I'm not saying all of them are, yeah, but yeah. some of them have a tendency to make it like a fear factor thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, was, you know I don't I mean? think Andrew like, Zimmerman is like that. No, no. He kind of is. You think so? Just a little bit. I think he does things that lean toward the um, outrageous sometimes. Okay, all right. Well, the we, we the way the he like the the way he presents it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I don't think he oh, okay. means any you, harm yeah, in it. It's just the the presentation of how he does it is more of a this shock value. Right. Shock value. Whereas Mark approaches it as this is how they eat here, and so I'm going so to eat, eat here like, that. like yeah. that too. And yeah. again, I mean, I mean, that's the slant of Andrew Zimmer and well, a lot of his shows. Yeah, be- so, it's on TV. He's got to keep yeah. the audience. And it's called going. Like outrageous food, and it's called outrageous, which I 
kind of have a, a slight issue with because yeah. it's only outrageous because it's not yeah, ours. It's it, ours now, if yeah. you put some of the stuff Americans eat on TV in other countries, that'd be outrageous. That'd be bizarre. You know, it'd be that bizarre. Would, so yeah, I just, I don't know. But no, I, go, I, go, I, go. no, that's a good point. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad you. But that's that. what I like about Mark is yeah. that. He'll eat the same exact things that Andrew ate, but it's like, you're not like, oh my God. It's right. kind of like, All right. I if I were inclined to eat it, <laughs> you know? So during the quarantine, um, much like the rest of the world, um, Mark Queens has kind of been isolated to where he lives in, in Thailand. So um, in Thailand, there is, I, I forgot, I wish I remember the company. I don't. But basically, you can order, you can place an order, a chef's table. You could do a chef's table with this particular outfit, I'll call it. And um, they'll deliver basically a multi-course menu to your home. And during the, uh, wait after while you get the meal, you can watch, you can take a live Zoom, um, I don't want to call it a presentation. Um, I don't know, experience, live Zoom call, live Zoom experience, where you can, you know, listen to the chef explain the menu and kind of walk through the process of, you know, what went into creating the dishes and things like that. Um, we thought this was amazing. We thought this was like, this is how, again, menus, um, restaurants hey. may need to pivot going forward because this, this is a great deal. Even when all this goes away and everything opens back up, just I, I urge restaurants to take a look at the chef's table delivery uh, video that Mark Weens has because this makes that process so accessible to so many people. A lot of people get intimidated about going to chef's table and what they do is they offer the chef's table in a virtual experience. Mm -hmm. So if you want to describe. So and it's organized by fruitful uh dot co. Yeah, so the fruitful dot co is the people are the people behind the one again in Thailand. And again, it's a multi course meal and you sit there and you eat the meal and you watch the Zoom presentation with the chef and you know, whoever else, and they kind of walk through the, you know, again, the, the dishes. And it's a really, it's, if you're like, again, if you're listening to this show, you're probably, you know, quote, a quote unquote foodie or someone who really enjoys food. So I would think it would be something that a lot of people who listen to our show would really kind of, you know, be interested, be interested in. Yeah. So I would like to see some restaurant, local restaurants do something like that. And there are some that are doing that, which um, I appreciate. I think there's going to be a lot more of this uh, going forward. Uh, Apricot Stone and Northern Liberties. They're doing a virtual dining option, which isn't quite this, but when you order your food from them, you can order from FaceTime or another video chat service, and then they'll uh, also FaceTime you once the food is delivered, and then they'll have a you'll have a uh, server there, like you know, server there via FaceTime, and they'll actually kind of pour you a virtual drink, kind of like you know, kind of give you some of that um, the connection, the personal connection that that you don't have again when you order out. Uh, Walnut Street Cafe is doing online wine lessons. So for $42, you'll get a multi-course meal and a bottle of wine. And then they post an interview with the winemaker on Facebook and Instagram every Friday night. So when you place your order with them, you get the meal and you get the wine. You fire up the Facebook and Instagram interview and then you can listen to the winemaker while you enjoy the wine and, and, eat, and eat your meal. Now that's that's very cool. It's very close to what they're doing in Thailand. And at the table BYOB in Wayne, they have a weekly Zoom call every Friday night at 5.30 for anyone who orders dinner from them that night. So while they're packaging the meals, you know, the chef and everybody involved, they're talking to the people who order the meal and they're kind of walking you through, you know, this is what's on the menu and this kind of went into creating it and things like that. And they take questions and they'll discuss the restaurant business and whatever else comes to mind. Very close to Thailand. Very interactive experiences are kind of, I think, are going to be um, 
those are going to be like the next wave, I think. Of, of, and of the beauty people. of something like this is you can offer it to dozens of people, whereas like a chef's table was always limited to what a max of like ten people, 10, if people. that. Yeah. Um, but something like this, you can open it up to like dozens of people, and you still get the experience and restaurants are learning now how to create food so that it travels well so that if it needs reheating like what we had that required the reheating from uh zeppoli which we'll talk about next week i guess yeah um and you still get a good flavor you still get a good experience so i think a lot more restaurants especially like your your like I don't like saying higher end, but yeah. your your restaurants that are normally used to offering chefs tables, this is something that they should probably look into. And the isn't Zoom like free? Zoom's free. Yeah, something like Zoom is free. It takes like fifteen minutes to learn how to use it. Like this is this is definitely uh, something that you can add to your mix on uh, generating revenue. And along those same lines, uh, Laser Wolf, uh, the newest Michael Salamanov restaurant. Uh, they have uh, what they call ready-to-grill dinners um, for, for pickup every Saturday. Uh, when you order your dinner, you, you will get access to a how-to-grill or how-to-broil video with Michael Salomonov included with your package. Again, this is a similar thing. I don't think it's live. But again, it's a similar thing, offering those you know bonus experiences. Because again, it's like you can get, get food from, again, like I don't want to call it a high-end, but get food from a restaurant that would typically have a chef's table but then you can say, hey, you know, I got the chance to watch the video of Michael Salamanov who taught me how to grill this or taught me how to broil this. I mean, that's a that's an added benefit. That's a really cool benefit um, that you can offer you know, for not much additional no, cost. No, it's some of your time because right. you're, you're doing it anyway. And then it, it it if your food tends to be higher priced or whatever, it adds an extra value to it. So people feel like they're getting something extra especially in these times when people are um, struggling a little bit or a lot of bit. A lot of um, yeah. It just it adds an element to, to the restaurant's uh, ability to deliver a, a different kind of experience and not have to skimp on what they give you mm-hmm. um, in order to meet costs or whatever. And, and, and here's the thing. I mean, restaurants are going to have to make up like this lost revenue because yeah. again, they're not going to be 100 percent no. capacity restaurants no. like there used to be anytime soon. No. So and, and it's looking like even when they open back up, opening is it going to be worth the cost? You know? Yeah. No. So I mean, like again, this is again in our in our opinion, this is a way for restaurants to kind of again have it generate a new revenue stream and hopefully be able to pay their employees. And kind of get through, you know, what's going to be a very difficult time for a lot of restaurants. Because I know we've both said that we'd be willing to pay the premium for a chef's table experience on Zoom. I would pay one fiver for a beautiful video. What's one fiver? A fiver. 1080p video, five bucks. A 1080p video. That's not. That's <laughs> so stupid. I'm like, one what are you crisp, talking about? One crisp five. No, no, no. But again, depending on the restaurant, again, I would definitely, this is definitely something, a very cool thing that I think a lot of Philadelphia, because again, Philadelphia, I say it a lot. Philadelphia is one of the best, one of the better food scenes in America. Yeah. And there's a lot of well-known, well, highly regarded chefs. A lot of James Beard Award n- nominees and winners. Yeah. Um, so I know a lot of restaurants could probably do. 
And a lot of us miss a lot of our faves that we can't get out to. And if they open back up with a quarter capacity, we still won't be able to get in for those of us who are even willing to venture out to go eat in public. So this, again, is a, a way to kind of generate that income and also give those of us who enjoy these restaurants the ability to experience the food and get something extra. Absolutely. So a lot of restaurants are pivoting during these times. Another restaurant doing the same is Tria Tap Room. They're now called Joyride Beef and Ale. They've completely flipped the concept. Tria Tap Room was just a, basically a wine bar that had food. Um, there were a couple of locations, but the one at 20th and Walnut has completely switched up. I was up. like, I know this place. Yeah, That's they've why. completely <laughs> switched up. They're now offering hand-carved ro- roast beef sandwiches, fried chicken sandwiches, and craft beer. Again, wine's out. Craft beer and sandwiches are in. Now, the full menu includes salads and multiple types of French dip sandwiches. They have crispy chicken sandwiches, and they have an Italian beef sandwich, which I'm very intrigued by. Please do not put the cauliflower in your jardinera. Thank you very much. Just, <laughs> uh, it doesn't worry you that it's called jardinera relish? No, I, mean, I don't know what that means. Okay. I don't know what that means. I'm just checking. You means. are very finicky about your jardinera. 100%. I don't want cauliflower in I'm telling you, your favorite jardinera has cauliflower in it. It does not. It does. All right. They have, the, sides are, the sides are fairly standard. However, the sweets nah. include... What? Nah, what? Truffle cheese fries are not oh, standard. Fairly, okay, truffle cheese fries. And I don't know what disco fries are. I don't know I'm they curious. Are. Lemon, but they have lemon bars, brownies, and cookies for the sweets. And they have nearly 20 beers available. Again, Tria Tap Room, now Joyride Beef and Ale. That's joyridephl.com if you want to check out their menu. And finally, speaking of pivoting, speaking mm, of reduced mm, capacity in mm, restaurants, mm. dining with mannequins may be in our future, I don't ladies like and gentlemen. It. A three-star Michelin restaurant. I don't like it. The Inn at Little Washington, which I've heard of in Virginia. They will seat well-dressed mannequins in their dining room nope. when they reopen later this week. Nope. Mannequins all dressed up will be used to take up 50% of the space to comply with social distancing. Am I the only one who thinks this is weird? No, this is... Don't this they is do this in weird. another country? They started doing this in another country. I can't remember what country they were doing it in. I saw it on the news like two or three weeks ago, and I was like, that is weird. I don't like it. This First of weird. all, mannequins are really expensive. Mannequins are expensive and scary. Yeah. So... if. Anybody out there is a Twilight Zone fan? <laughs> There's an episode of Twilight Zone where, um, and these are the old ones, the black and white ones, where a woman, they follow this woman to the department store and she keeps getting going to this certain empty floor that has like these mannequins or whatever. It turns out she was a mannequin. Yo, that has scared me my whole entire life because I saw it when I was a kid because my dad watches Twilight Zone every year on New Year's Eve. Um, I don't like mannequins. I don't want to sit in a restaurant with them dressed up in fine clothes in half the restaurants. Like, what are they going to do? Like, every other table put mannequins? Why can't the tables just be empty? I don't know. They said, like, you know, it might be like a cool little take a picture kind of. No. Yeah, no. I'm out. I'm out. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. And then the picture... Of the restaurant looks like older. Yeah, it's old timey restaurant. So it's old timey. You got mannequins dressed up. I don't like it. Yeah, this is just this is scary. It's very apocalyptic. It's very scary. I don't like I it. I hope this does not catch on. No. 
I will not be dining with Mannequin. Yeah, in a little Washington, I, I'm glad that you have three Michelin stars. I will not be partic- partaking of your food while you have mannequins mm-hmm. in every other table. Oh That's a little bit weird. That's a little weird. It's All right, worse than the pool noodles on people's heads to keep the six feet distance. Have you seen those? <laughs> I have seen those, which again, I, I kind of like. I don't. I kind of like those. All right, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we have a very special guest joining us. You're listening to the John Appetit Podcast. Welcome back. Segment number two of the show. Again, we have a very special guest joining us on this edition of the show, Mino Lele. She is the founder and CEO of Lil Mixins. Uh, as we said at the top of the show, May is National Asthma and Allergy Awareness Month. And again, we decided to you know, pivot a little bit from what we usually do and, and, and have a guest on here to talk about um, allergies, specifically as they relate to children. Now, uh, Mino uh, she has a young child who has uh, a nut allergy and, again... An egg allergy. Of, an, an egg allergy, like yeah. Dairy, I think. Yeah, yeah. so uh, because of that, um, you know, she created a product to, again, help... Um, is it? A, I don't want to say alleviate because that's not the right word. Help combat, maybe? Help combat or help prevent allergies. Um, help the increase well, the chances of yeah, preventing allergies it reduces in the young incidence, children. The incidence of allergies in children, because again, I know a lot of children uh, deal with allergies. Again, allergies are something you know. The last twenty or thirty years, we've seen a, a much larger incidence of allergies in children. It's so, um, yeah, so little mix food is, allergies. Yeah, food allergies, I should yeah. say. So, little mixins is a product um, that that was created to um, to again to to help um, reduce the incidence of those. So. Um, with no further ado, um, our interview with Mino Lele, founder of Lil Mixins. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special edition of the John Appetit Podcast. On the phone with us right now, Mino Lele, founder and CEO of Lil Mixins. Mino, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks so much for having me today. Thanks for uh, joining us again. This is as we're taping this. This is a National uh, Allergy uh, and Asthma Awareness Month. And we decided to we not we decided uh, we were fortunate enough to uh, to link up with someone who, you know, um, to uh, who introduced us to your company, Lil Mixins. Um, let's get started with your origin story. I like to start at the beginning or we like to start at the beginning when we talk to uh, to folks on this show. We saw that you graduated from Penn with a degree in chemical engineering. How did you go from doing that to starting a, a company focused on food allergies? So um, I graduated from Penn, as you said, in 2005 with Mm -hmm. a degree in chemical engineering and from the undergraduate business school. And so my, you know, I I wanted to work in startups and I did work in a couple medical device startups. And it was, um, you know, then I, like like a lot of people, I grew up, had kids and that kind of thing. Um, That My older son ended up developing um, a few food allergies and it was, he had some of the warning signs and things like that, that, that I now know. Um, but after he developed his food allergy, so after it was, it was, you know, too late for him, basically, all of this data came out saying that actually, if we had simply fed these foods to him when he started, when he was maybe as early as four months old, but, you know, when he started solid foods, he might not have any food allergies today. Mm-hmm. And this was devastating to me as a parent because you know, nobody wants their kid. It's, it's horrible to think something simple you could have done, like, you know, make just one last turn and your kid wouldn't have a lifelong disease. Mm-hmm. And... So 
Um, and when I had my younger son, I decided, of course, now I'm, I'm going to make sure I protect him against food allergies in whatever way I can. But it turned out to be really difficult because at the time, there was no way for parents to do this. It was just a recommendation. Hey, mm -hmm. introduce two grams of peanut protein three times a week. Do two grams of baked egg protein three times a week. And, uh, you know, that means nothing <laughs> to the average parent. <laughs> right. You don't know what you're supposed to do with that information. Um, so my chemical engineering degree, which you brought up, I actually studied um, some food science. And so I had a bit of background in that. And what, again, what's kind of the origin of this whole company was it struck me that, well, the only way parents are going to do this is, is if most of the work is already done for them. So I knew, can, I thought, can we, can we basically prep these food the same way we prep baby food, do it ahead of time. So all mm -hmm. a parent has to do is then use it. And that's, that's kind of, you know, once I couldn't let that go, that mm -hmm. idea, that's sort of where Lil Nixon's came from. So let's just kind of talk about, talk about um, again, when you first got started, you were talking about the food introductions and, you know, doing something very, you know, small, you know, in a, in a long scheme um, when it comes to being a parent. For years, you know, I thought I've been told, I've, you know, seen articles, you know, saying that food allergies are hereditary, but you're saying that's not necessarily the case. There is a slight increase in the risk of having a food allergy if your family members, specifically a parent or a sibling, has a food allergy. Mm -hmm. but what we're talking about is taking the risk from, say, 8% to 10%. Okay. So it's not, it's not binary the way people think of it. Like, if there's nobody in your family that has food allergy, your kid won't develop it. Mm -hmm. So, for example, there's nobody in my family that has any food allergies. In fact, my, with my family, uh, at least on my side, we don't even have seasonal allergies. Nobody has eczema. Nobody has anything. Mm. So there was this, you know, it truly, if you will, came out of nowhere. And um, what they're finding, there was a bunch of studies done. One of the most recent is called the child study, where they're following thousands of children in Canada and looking at what they did early on and, you know, what their outcomes are, various things, one of them being food allergies. And they found that, it, you know, for babies who don't start peanuts until after 18 months, for example, their rate of food allergies, is, uh, excuse me, specifically peanut allergies, mm -hmm. is seven times that of babies who start it before six months. Hmm. And if you start it, if you wait till a year, it's four times as mm -hmm. if you start it before six, uh, by six months, you know? So what we know from this data and multiple other studies is that this simple intervention of starting to feed a baby peanuts once they start solid foods and making it a regular part of their diet can, can basically get rid of 80% of peanut allergies. Wow. Wow. That's, that's very impressive. And so again, little, little mixins as we were talking about before is a, uh, is a product that can help alleviate or help uh, prevent a lot of these allergies in children. Now, when you started this uh, little mixins, you were working a full-time job. Like you said, you were working um, for, a, for a startup. Um, how difficult was it um, to get your company off the ground at that point when, Again, you're a mother and you're working a full-time job and you have, you know, 18 other, you know, balls in the air at the same time. How difficult was it to kind of, kind of get this, get this rolling? I think maybe you have to ask my husband that, right? He <laughs> might have a different answer than me. <laughs> um, but the, you know, it was, it was difficult um, in, in some ways. I think a lot of things are just keep your head down one step at a time, you mm -hmm. know? And I think um, what I did specifically was really try and, put a little bit in and test the waters. And I was very transparent. And thankfully, my, my bosses at my old, you know, at the old company, they were working with me, they knew what I wanted to do. 
and I knew that it was tenuous and they, you know, they let me do it on my free time, if you will. Mm-hmm. And um, so the big thing for me was I wanted to create one product and then I took it to um, an event called the American Academy of Pediatrics National Conference. So this mm-hmm. is a national meeting where thousands of pediatricians from across the country gather and they hear talks and there's also an exhibit hall. So I rented a, you know, I got a booth just like any other big companies. I got a booth. And I stood there and I talked to hundreds of pediatricians and I said, this is what I'm trying to do. This is my product that I have. What do you think? Would you recommend this to your patient? And I was overwhelmed by how positive the pediatricians were. Hmm. Like 95% of them were said, oh, this is something, especially once I told them exactly how it was made, what the price point was and things like that. They Mm -hmm. said, oh yeah, this is something I would recommend to my patients. People definitely have no idea what to do. In fact, so many of them said, they weren't telling their patients that they could prevent peanut allergies because they weren't sure how the parent was going to do it. And they were worried that a parent would go home with a four month old and, you know, feed it a spoonful of peanut butter right. and end up choking the baby. Right. So they were so scared that they were failing to almost, you know, on some level protect their own patient. Hmm. And that response was so overwhelmingly positive. You know, it's a funny, I have this funny memory. I came back and you know, my boss poked in the office the next day and he said, well, how'd it go? And I said, I'm sorry, but it went really well. <laughs> and he said, shoot, okay, I guess we're finding your replacement. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's a, that's a pretty great way to, to quit a job. I'll tell you that. I'll definitely it is, that. it is. <laughs> now, in addition to peanuts, you also have mixing powders for eggs as well as tree nuts. Are those the foods? That's correct. Are those the foods that cause the most allergies in young children? So they, uh, sorry, eggs and dairy are two of the most common food allergies in infants, although infants are most likely, or children will outgrow a lot of egg and dairy allergies. Um, the ones that are very persistent tend to be the peanut and the tree nuts. So we, the reason I do, uh, the company has the peanut, the baked egg specifically, and the tree nut is because those are all the foods that a parent have a hard time preparing safely for a baby. The nice thing about dairy, if you want to introduce that early, is that it's already in formula. Formula is made of cow's milk, and yogurt is already there, right? It's a, it's a safe baby food. Um, and wheat is the, the other most common food allergy. That's most baby cereals are made of wheat. Okay. So little mixins, when, when I set out to do this, I said I was never going to touch dairy and wheat because I'm not going to sell parents something they don't need. But they already get that in the baby food that's available on the shelf. What I'm trying to do is give parents a way to get these other foods into their baby's diet easily and inexpensively. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, there seems to be more of a focus on food allergies now as opposed to, say, 20 or 30 years ago. Was it something that scientists just didn't pay attention to back then, or is there something different in the way food is prepared and processed these days? So food allergy rates started spiking around the 19, in the 1990s, mm-hmm. and uh, we saw a huge increase between basically 1995 you know, and 2015. And unfortunately, it's possible that most of that was because there was a slight increase in the early 90s and pediatricians didn't know what to do. So they told parents to start avoiding eating all of these allergens until uh, the baby was two. Okay. And so we actually, it's, it's possible today that a lot of the food allergies that people developed as infants from 1995 basically to 2015 was an accident and it's just because we started avoiding all these hmm. foods and baby food yeah. and then and so hopefully if we get 
early introduction to back to being, you know, what every baby does, basically, we can get food allergy rates down to, let's call it the early 1990s. Now, I have to be clear there, that doesn't mean all food allergies go away, right? right? Because there will be some. And there are, it's, you know, we're peeling back those onion layers of understanding. And we're getting, it's, it's deeper and deeper. We now know that something about our microbiome, the bacteria that live inside our intestines and our stomach and things like that, definitely play a part in developing not only food allergies, but eczema and asthma. Hmm. So we know that something we did, whether it's because we all started eating processed foods or we all started eating, you know, um, pasteurized foods. So there wasn't as much bacteria in them, which is good for many reasons, right? We don't want to have all the bad things right. in the unpasteurized food. But the downside is that we aren't getting, we aren't eating basically the same amount of bacteria we did a, two generations ago, three generations ago. And we think it's possible that we did something called dysbiosis where we screwed up basically the balance of bacteria in a lot of people's guts. And that, uh, and that's what's causing this because the bacteria weirdly actually control your immune system to some extent. Mm -hmm. The bacteria trigger your immune system to turn on or as I call it, to stay cool, to regulate itself. Mm -hmm. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying this is like a, you know, a straight line. It's such a fuzzy area of understanding right now. And of course, I'm not a, you know, a doctor. But the, but the basic principle, which I have confirmed with many allergists and doctors is true, is that there's something wrong with the balance of the bacteria. And that is definitely causing at least some portion of the food allergy. See, see, we're learning a lot today. Yeah. See, this is this is again. We neither one of us went to school for chemical engineering. No. Um, I took the easiest science class I could at Temple. Um, Chanel did the same. Rocks for jocks. You know, pretty, pretty much. You know, you know, you know, you know the vibes. Uh, what was it? Football <laughs> physics. Yeah, football physics. Yeah, you know, you know how, you know how it is. So yeah. So um, yeah. No so, hate. <laughs> hey, it, it, it is what it is. Um, well, seriously though, just to circle back um, again, a little mix and started because your oldest has food allergies, and a lot of people who listen to our show. A lot of people have a lot of people who listen to our show have allergies or their kids have allergies, and I can imagine that having a child who has food allergies uh, presents some unique challenges for you and for for those listening. Um, for example, like if you want to take order takeout for your family, are there certain things that that you need to worry about? Are there certain questions that you ask the restaurant before you order? We try our best. Um, honestly, in the last couple of years, we've had some incidents, so we've pulled back really hard. I think the truth for a lot of families with food allergies is that you just don't go out to eat. Hmm. Um, like there's certain foods, like, so my family is Indian, it's from India, and I love Indian food, and my children actually love Indian food as well, but we just don't, we won't go to Indian restaurants because there's too many foods are, are made creamy with cashew milk or cashews, mm -hmm. and it's so easy to have a cross-contamination there, and my child is very allergic to cashews. Our most recent horrible ER experience was because of cashews. And so you just take a lot of things off the table. So he's allergic to eggs, peanuts, and all tree nuts. Incidentally, all of the foods that I didn't give him, right, because mm. they were hard to prepare. Right. And um, so, yeah, so we'll eat certain kinds of foods. Like we'll, we'll get quesadillas, you know, yeah, we'll okay. get burgers without the bun because a lot of buns are made of, you know, a brioche and have egg washes. Right. Um, and then, but that's kind of it. Like, otherwise we just cook at home. And, um, one of the things I noticed amongst other families with food allergies is in this, you know, uh, pandemic as everybody's, all the restaurants have closed, 
everyone with food allergies is like, yep, welcome to our world. We never go out to eat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's tough because again, like it's, it's a lot of things that 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 you have to think about. Like you said, that, that most people, you know, don't have to think about, but you have to be extra cautious um, when it comes. Like, because I didn't even think about the brioche bun until you mentioned it. Um, there's just certain things that you really need to kind of look out for uh, when it comes. Egg to Egg is the allergy. worst. It's in everything, and it's just and nobody thinks. I mean, it's in it's yeah. a binder in so many things that you'd never think it would be there. Um, so you just, I don't know, it's, it's one you really have to be careful with. And it's often just you're best off eating like a salad with no dressing right, <laughs> or right. just olive oil and vinegar, you know? Yeah. And that's, and that's why, you know, a product like yours is so, so important. And that's why it's, that's why, you know, as soon as we saw this, we we're like, all right, this is a great, this is a great thing for a lot of people. And, you know, I, you know, again, I didn't go to Penn. I don't have a degree in chemical engineering, but I can do math and I can say that, you know, if we were able to get this in front of, you know, as many Philadelphians as possible, we can probably save tens of thousands of ER visits and, you know, we can prevent so many food allergies. So I guess our question to you is how can we, you know, what can we do or how can you get little mixins in front of as many Philadelphians as possible? Well, we're doing a couple things. Well, right now, actually, on our website, we have a pretty big sale going on on our set that gets you all three of the different powders. Um, so we can tell everyone about that. It's on littlemixins.com and our, our, um, our protein supplements are also always available on Amazon. Okay. We have some big news coming that we're technically not allowed to announce yet. Come on, we are going, come on. We're going to be in a, in a major retail presence come this summer. Nice. So we're very excited about that. And, um, and that'll make it, you know, easier for every parent to get to. Um, and then, you know, the last big step that, as a company we're doing is, is again, I started this company because my goal was every baby, every baby should have access to these foods. So we are actively working with Medicaid organizations, chip plans, things like that to figure out how can we get this product, these products, these protein supplements covered in the same way we get vitamin D supplements covered because it's in, you know, it's in the long-term best interest of children and, and their families. Um, so we're actively working with various organizations. So, um, we've had some initial conversations with Independence Blue Cross, so that's something you can do if you know any high ups there. <laughs> you can knock on their door again. Okay, okay. <laughs> now, if parents are interested in little mixins for their children, should they contact their uh, pediatricians? Actually, your pediatrician will probably talk to you about it um, already. So it's the official guidelines of the American Academy of Pediatrics is that all babies should begin introducing peanuts. Babies at high risk of food allergies might want to start as early as four months. Mm -hmm. Pretty much everyone else should start by six months. But almost every pediatrician, I believe, is now talking to their patients about this concept at either the four-month, what's called a well visit. It's like a, you know, just a checkup mm -hmm. or the six-month checkup. And so most parents are hearing about it. And, and I'm getting more and more texts from people around the country saying, hey, I was just at my pediatrician and I saw your, you know, you saw oh, your wow. thing in the office. So mm -hmm. Pediatricians are definitely talking about it. Um, and, you know, nope, because that's their whole job. They want babies to be happy and healthy. No, that, no that's, that's very cool. And it's, well, again, it's one of those things where I didn't, you know, even really know about, you know, a couple of weeks ago before we uh, were pitched this interview. And now it's like, it's, I, I realize how important it is, you know, food, intro, food introduction and products like Lil Mixins. Um, I realize how important it is. We realize how important it is now to kind of introduce these foods 
at, at a young age. So I, I know that, you know, when you hear stories like, you know, the people at the pediatricians, I know that probably makes you feel pretty good, you know, as far as, you know, what you're doing is, you know, matters to or means a lot to a lot of people, both in Philadelphia and, and nationwide. Absolutely. It's, it's really, a, you know, a gratifying, like every, that's, that's, you know, that's what gets you so excited. It's every parent that reaches out, you know, through our, our website or whatever and says like, hey, thank you so much. This helped me. It's made it a lot easier, that kind of thing is, um, you know, those are the things that you're like, okay, I'm going to keep doing this. <laughs> Again, Mino Lele is the founder and CEO of Lil Mixins. Again, you can check them out at lilmixins.com. Uh, Mino, thanks for joining us. This is awesome. We thank appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Again, that was our interview with Mino Lele, the founder of Lil Mixins. Again, just something different um, to do on Joan Appetit. Again, we have a lot of cool things planned for the next uh, few weeks and months I'm here on the show. So hopefully you guys appreciated that again check them out online lowmixins.com we're going to take a really quick break on the other side we have um, some events to tell you about some news to tell you about and we have a couple of invitations to sunday dinner you're listening to the john appetit podcast Welcome back to the show, segment number three. This is where we typically tell you about, well, these times, the takeout spots that you should check out or some upcoming events. But again, those are kind of on hold for a while. We have some quasi-breaking news to tell you about, so I think it's important to talk about it here because as of today, the day we're taping this show, you can now go to food trucks. Food trucks can come back. Food trucks, of course, have to abide by the social social distancing guidelines, but you can order and walk away. Food trucks are, you can now order from food trucks in Philadelphia once again, and you can also go into takeout spots and order from the counter. Again, social distancing guidelines still apply. Uh, Restaurants cannot have more than 10 people inside at all times. So again, you still need to be careful, but. And wear your mask. And wear your mask and, you know, do all your preventative things, but you can now, you don't have to, you don't 100% have to order pre-order from your takeout spot. You can now go to takeout spots and order. And you can go and order from food trucks. Call first just to make sure. Yeah, call first just to make sure. But it is now official. You can do that. Now, again, if you want to save yourself some time and some probably call aggrava- ahead. aggravation, okay. <laughs> please call no, ahead man. and still do the things that that, that you did before because that's what I'll do because I don't just want to just stand around for like 20 minutes so I don't have to. Uh, but, again, I know a lot of food trucks, they were kind of struggling. Philadelphia, for whatever reason, was the only municipality in Pennsylvania that didn't allow this. It's trucks, so weird. Which like, is why weird. wouldn't you just let the food truck? That food If there's anything yeah. that's the social distance, it's a food truck. You, like everybody can order and walk away. Yeah, like, you just, you're outside. Like It's like, give someone a number, hey, number two, and just hand it number to them with gloved again. hand mask on. I'm about to say. And there's a lot of people who their food truck is their whole livelihood. To shut that down made no sense. And, but And that's the thing. And, I, and this was this is prime food truck season. Yeah, I mean, it's warming season. up. I think the, the only saving grace was was that a lot of the food trucks weren't really doing anything in the beginning of March um, because it was too cold or what right. have you, except for those that are out there, those the few. Yeah. yeah. 
So it's really weird that they wouldn't have allowed um, the food. You can call ahead to a food truck and they can have your food. Like 100%. everything that a, a brick and mortar could do that they were able to do as well. So closing them down made no sense. Yeah. And they were, and they were, um, they had proposed to have food trucks in like little parks, like, you know, like little office parks and mm-hmm. say, hey, let's park six food trucks here and do the social distancing thing and call ahead or whatever. And they were like, no. I'm like, I'm like, fam. Like, they could have done that. <laughs> they could have done outside. that. It's outside. They could have done that. But. That being said, now, as of today, food trucks are back in business. Again, please, again, whether it's food trucks or whether you go to your local takeout spot, please continue to practice social distancing. Wear a mask. Be smart. Don't be touching stuff. Um, because, again, just can't be too careful. You cannot be too careful. It's time now for our Sunday dinner segment. This is the portion of the show where we hand out invitations to our home for a Sunday dinner to people based on something they've done over the past week or so. Sometimes it's something good. Other times it's something bad. It's always something noteworthy or at least noteworthy to us. Now, we try to make it a break or try to do it so that we take a break from talking about food all the time. Although we've been doing pretty good with that. We haven't talked about food in this segment, I don't think, recently. Mm. Yeah, maybe we have. I don't know. Maybe we have. But I don't have, mine is not food related. I don't mine know is yours not. Is. Yours mine is not, not either. So who do you have? Mine is pretty quick. Okay. So this is probably a story that uh, some of our listeners heard a while, uh, maybe a week or so ago. I'm not going to say any names or anything like that, but there was a woman in San Francisco and she was like the, first of all, she was a founder of a tech company and she acts as the CFO, I want to feel, I want to say, maybe it's the CFO or the, uh, let's just say she's the CFO. She's the co-founder. And so her husband was also in tech, but he had decided that he was going to take a break and kind of find himself and figure out what he wants to do next. And then COVID came. So the plan, no, COVID came and well, whatever, you'll understand soon. So the plan was that the husband would take care of the three-year-old son mm-hmm. while the wife continued to work from home in the home office. Um, the, the wife has quit her job. They now have like no income coming in. I think some people lost their jobs because she quit. Cause she was like the founder Oh wow! and the other founder had like people get COVID. So Jeez. she needed this one to like cover for her and she couldn't, and she couldn't because her husband said he could no longer watch their son, that it was too much for him after three days. He couldn't watch his own son for three days. So she quit her job. Can someone explain to me, like, what planet this is, like, what you do? Like, you help me. (laughs) You help me to create this kid. And you can't watch this kid while I work and pay the bills. You really should be able to watch your own kid. And. You're not. Can I just make a correction? It's just your kid. It's, you're not, it's, yeah, it's, you're ahead, not watching your kid. You're raising. You're raising him. your kid. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't say yeah. like babysit. Yeah. Because like, I've heard people like, say like I got to babysit my kids. It drives me crazy when I hear people say that the kid. dad like, is watching the kid. Yeah, like that's your kid. You never really hear a mom say she's watching the kid. Yeah. It's always like the dad, like like raising and parenting a kid is somehow all on the woman's shoulders. It's so weird to me that she would even like quit her job instead of telling him, Hey, buck up. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta gotta do this so I can do that. Take care of your child. If you don't like his behavior, change it because that this is the time to do it now. 
I just was, I, I was floored. I was so disappointed in both of them that I was just like. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, I mean obviously I'm more disappointed in him, but like I'm. I'm more disappointed in her. Yeah, because you can't do that. You can't. I feel like she should have told him to man up. Right. And if he, if there were certain behaviors in that kid that he didn't like, then it was up to him to change him. Three days. Three days. He lasted three days. That's insane. Your kid is that bad that you can't deal with him for three days. That means you need to sit down. There's a whole internet here and figure Watch some of those nanny shows. You remember the super nanny or whatever would come in and get those kids yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You watch a couple episodes of that. You order some books on parenting and you figure that out. Three days. I would feel like such a failure parent. But hey, he's my Sunday dinner invite. Um, she gets an honorable mention because she should have put her foot down and told him, hey, I got to work. You figure it out. All righty. <laughs> My Sunday dinner invite goes out to uh, Bounty Killer and Beanie Man. <laughs> I had about a point zero 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 two percent interest in yes. this before this happened. Yes. This is, by, by the way, when I mean this, I mean the fact that the two of them... Um, you have to explain I'll, what verses. Yeah, I'll, be, I'll, say, I'll say that they went head to head in a battle but it really wasn't a battle it was what a celebration of a celebration music. a celebration yeah. of music uh called versus now versus is something that was created during the quarantine v-e-r-z-u-z um, yeah v-e-r-z-u-z by uh two producers swizz beats and timberland uh and they created basically it's a kind of an online kind of again i'll call it a battle but it's more of a celebration of music where two people two groups two artists kind of go head to head and go back and forth and they play their music on Instagram and people watch. And, you know, it's kind of, again, it's kind of an informal contest where people vote and, you know, everybody has their own, you know, people they cheer for and things like that. So they've been doing this, again, since for the for the majority of quarantine, these versus battles. And they've been, you know, they've been all over the map. They've mostly been hip-hop and R&B. This was the first uh, one with two reggae stars, Bounty Killer and Beanie Man. Now, again, I, before this, I knew by name probably like three of their songs combined <laughs> by name after this you know by listening i probably knew like eight of their songs combined that's it it did like after listening they were like eight of them that sounded familiar <laughs> this is this is proof to show you that it doesn't really matter how much of a you know how many songs you know or how familiar you are with an artist if the artist can put on a good show. show. Yes. Because Beanie Man and Bounty Killer put on a tremendous show. A great show. Again, in Jamaica, in the same room with stellar Wi-Fi. That was way better than Wi-Fi of like 75% of these other battles. They put on a show. And again, I didn't know their music. wasn't that familiar with their musical catalog. Didn't know what they were going to do. It was just them and a DJ and two microphones. Two DJs. And two DJs. Mm-hmm. And two microphones in a room. Yes. And again, there wasn't flashing lights and cameras nope. and costumes nope. and, and background dances and none of that. It was just two guys saying, you know, we're going to play these songs. We're going to have a party. And they had a party. And it was excellent. And it was highly entertaining. Yes. And the cops showed up. <laughs> and they kept having a party. Yes. The cops didn't stop anything. No, because Beanie Man asked him, do you want to be that you guy? you want to be that guy? That's really, that's really... A, We're trending number one on Twitter right now. Do you really want to be that guy? That's really a very important question to have in your arsenal, people. Yes, like because sometimes, because sometimes, like people want to kind of like you know rain on your parade and 
kind of like shut you down a little yeah, bit. Sometimes just, you got to ask him, do you really want to really be that wanna, guy? Do you really want to be that guy? And that police officer did not want to be that guy because, again, there were hundreds of thousands of people all, all across the world watching this celebration of music. And he didn't want to be that guy. And we got a continuation of that celebration. So I would like to applaud Beanie Man. I would like to applaud Bounty Killer for, for, for um, putting on a very entertaining performance um, as part of this, this Versus series. Probably one of the, the three best. I mean, I don't know how many of these things have been, but probably it one was of the three best. Definitely ones. top three. Um, and again, they put on better performances than other people um, like Nelly or Jagged <laughs> Edge. And people who couldn't even, like, Teddy Riley, who couldn't even hook up their internet, or whose batteries ran out. Yes. It's like, you don't, all you need is two people and a couple DJs and just go. Like, it's fine. Now, it probably helped that they were in the same, same room. room. Yeah, so let's, let's say that uh, a good portion of the success was that they were in the same yeah. room. So but they were yeah. also in a different country, right. which... Um, Maybe their their social distancing rules are a little different from ours. They were clearly lax, more lax. Yeah, there were a couple of people <laughs> with masks. They were cl- clearly more lax. I, yes. I, but again, I'm going to say this for the 18th time that well, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, what's his name? Swiss Beats and Timberland. You have to find a different platform for these. Now I know. Again, I understand from a marketing perspective, you're building the brand, and I and you did that. You have a million followers on Instagram, which is amazing. In two months, which is insane, you got to find a different platform for this. You got to find a platform I, that's I think meant the, for this. I think the concern with them is if they find a different platform, the people aren't over there, so they may have to pay to come over. What do you mean? So let's say they build this on a different platform. How do they fund it, or how do they give it? Like if you put it on title, mm-hmm. only people who have access to oh, title. No, no, no like, title. I mean, I would never. I would. I would never. But you know, that, know you no. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like if you put it on title, like people have to subscribe to title in sure. order to. Oh, yeah, you know, then, you wouldn't expect title to completely get rid of their rules for that. No, you no, know no, what no, I mean? No. Like no, but like again, my thought, and then we've had this discussion. My thought was like, put it on Twitch. But the thing YouTube. is. A lot of us are on Instagram. We know Instagram. We're familiar. It's something that's already been no, there. I, I, Putting I, it on a Twitch, you're mm-hmm. not going to get as much engagement. You're not going to get many people that follow over there because it's going to be like uh, another app. Oh, I don't want to. You know what I mean? You're only going to get the diehards, which means your numbers are going to go down. Right, but you. But I'd rather. I'd rather have better quality than have this. I mean, but that's. But. Because because streamers like streamers like Ninja went to went like left so left pop more popular social media platforms or streaming platforms because a of the money and b of the quality of service. Now once you build your brand, like your brand is valuable enough that you can have you know you like when they when they say Twitch is on when they say versus is on is on Twitch or wherever it is like it doesn't have to be Twitch versus is on Twitch and it's Puff Daddy and Dr Dre or whatever. You have built the brand to the point where you can get people where, to where you want to go now. But how are you going to get them there? All you got to do is say, here, come to YouTube. Like, come, well, you're going to do it from Instagram. You don't think Instagram's going to have any kind of interference in there. But how, is it, how are they going inter- to interfere? They with, can with, stop and make sure your post doesn't tr- trend. They can do all kinds of stuff. You can get, you can get again, I don't know how, how You're much. You're not going to get the... The billion impressions to, they, that they got on, be the on one Insta- They're not going to be on Instagram. No, no, I don't. And then another thing is maybe Twitch is in their aim. Maybe their aim is a Netflix oh, or probably, this or yeah. that, which probably can't is. go down until after uh, COVID. Why not? 
Because how are they going to do? You're going to send camera crews and stuff to people's houses. You think people want they do that to now. take? No, they don't. Yeah, they did, like did it for the draft. They sent they sent they, they sent cameras to people's houses. Or the, and you, you know, could, you could. But get, do you know how the hazard pay you have to pay to do that to get people to with the cameras again? <laughs> the the cost of that. It's not um, the cost isn't as much as you. It's not as much as you think. They could no. they could they could, yeah. But again, they're not they're not going to do anything now. I know they're not. They're not doing it now. And then there has to be a play after. So. If if the thought process is you take it to another platform, there's live shows, there's this, that, none of that can go down. Right now, you just continue to build your brand. You can move now, it I did re- now. Uh, so hear something where Swiss said some somebody came in and tried to give them 50%. They wanted 50% of Versus. They tried to give them a whole ton of money for it, and they said no. Yeah, no, that doesn't make sense. So yeah. if they, let's say they're trying to work this out so that it is a title or a revolt mm-hmm. type situation. They got to work. You need programmers. You need all kinds of stuff to do all that. And people just aren't at work. They're not in a, they're collaborating. It's just, it's disjointed now. It's, that's it's something that's hard to get together. You can move this off of Instagram. Now, again, whether that's your final play or not, that's another story. But and you then, can move it. And you also have to realize that there are people who are creatures of habit. And the moment they try to go off Instagram, people are going to bug out. Well, they're going when to there go was off even, Instagram. <laughs> when there was even a hint that oh we take it somewhere and charge people were up in arms oh, cause like, yeah because you're charging like it's yeah, a different but they're not gonna be, they're gonna go off Instagram. This, you so, know what I mean, let's let's <laughs> let's table this and okay. we'll have this co- oh, so you guys have just gotten a glimpse into what it's like to actually be in our house <laughs> 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 this was crazy I forgot we were on microphone. <laughs> That's the point. The point of these conversations, we have conversations again. We are taking you inside our house. These are the conversations like about this and about food. These are the same, same conversations, conversations that we yes. have all the time. Yes. Like we've had conversations just like that like a couple of days ago. Like you know, about verses and about whatever else. A couple of days ago. We just happen to have microphones in front yes. of us when we're talking about yes. it now. But again, yes. we have some other conversations. Yeah. We'll stop mm-hmm. talking about this now because I know like 97% of you guys don't even know what Versus is. No, so. and then probably like <laughs> shut us off like I don't care what they're talking I was like, about. You guys are crazy. You guys are insane. My, Click. My, my food trucks are back. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Bye. But anyhow, but yes. So that is my Sunday dinner. Please cool. move, move the Versus, please. Thank you. All right. That's it for this edition <laughs> of the Joan Appetit Podcast. Before we sign off, there's one more thing we'd like to tell you. Now, our name isn't just a catchphrase. It's our wish to you every time you grab a bite to eat. So the next time you head out to get takeout from your favorite restaurant, we'd like to wish you... John Appetit. is more than just fast. It's internet with Xfinity Flex, a 4K streaming device included, so you can search less and watch more. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash flex. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. 
It's internet with Xfinity Flex, a 4K streaming device included, so you can search less and watch more. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash flex.